0: Hello, family, it's your sister here, Jocelyn, with another episode of Faith on the Journey, and as always, I'm so glad you joined us today, and if it's your first time tuning in, I want you to know that we are a ministry and a show that's committed to helping you strengthen your faith, and we also want to be that place that you can go to to help you heal those old heart wounds in your life, and we want to be an extension of your community. And today I am so excited because we are kicking off a new series on forgiveness. And this is one of those topics that is so difficult for so many of us, and we know it's something that God calls us to do, but yet it's so hard, especially when it's caused by someone who's close to us. And we're going to be hitting this topic from so many different angles, so I encourage you to tune in and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss any episode. But today, we are diving deep into those old heart wounds in our lives, those ones where Someone might have hurt us so badly that we're struggling to forgive them. And when I was preparing for today's message, I I wanted to share one of my favorite stories that I'm actually going to be writing about in my new book that I'm working on. And it's a story of someone who not only had some physical wounds in their lives, but they they also had some deep heart wounds. And that's the story of Mephibosheth. Now, try saying that name three times fast. So I'm just going to call him Mo for short, because That's a name right there. But Mo, Mo had a a rough upbringing. He had a lot going on in childhood. He was growing up in a time where there was a lot of chaos in the land. And at the age of five, within a very short period of time, he lost his father. His grandfather took his life. And when Things got real, his his nurse who was taking care of him found out what took place with his father and his grandfather and she panicked. And when she got the word, she started to run she grabbed Mephibosheth and she dropped him. And when she dropped him, it, it wasn't something where he could just bounce back from that, he ended up becoming crippled in both of his legs. This is something I want you to really think about. The person who was supposed to care for Mo, the person who was supposed to protect Mo, the person who was supposed to provide for Mo, the person who was supposed to love Mo dropped him, which begs the question, who in your life has dropped you? Has it been someone who was supposed to, to care for you and nurture you? Was it a parent who was emotionally or physically absent in your life? Was it a, a spouse who, who left the marriage or stepped out and in, in had an affair with someone else? Was it a church who was supposed to be a spiritual hospital for you, but you end up leaving that church more broken than when you came in? Who in your life has hurt you that has caused you to feel like you've been dropped? And, and in that, are you still holding on to that pain? Is that heart wound still there? Because I realize when someone in our life who's supposed to care for us drops us, that wound hits us a little bit different. It, it can easily cause us to feel resentment and bitterness towards that person if we don't forgive. But the message I want you to know, if, if this applies to you, if man drops you, God is there to pick you back up. God will pick you back up. And I I need that to resonate in your spirit right now, because I know somebody is hurting and feels like Mo in that instance. And see, Mo, he still had it hard for a while. I mean, he grew up in a a city, a town called Lodabar. And Lodabar was known as a place without pastures. That's what that means. And in an agricultural society, that pretty much means that was an impoverished community. So in modern day, that would be known as the hood. So he grew up in an environment where he he really didn't have a lot. But see, I love the beauty of the story because God stepped in like he always does. And Mephibosheth Mo was minding his own business. And one day he got summoned. He got summoned to the palace. King David at the time, he called for him and he asked him to come and see him. And when he did, I'm sure Mephibosheth was like, you talking to me? Who are you talking to? But he went and he was afraid. And, and David saw that. King David saw that. And he said, do not be afraid. I'm here to bless you. And I'm going to restore you for all the things that you had that are, belong to you. And instead of Mephibosheth doing a holy ghost dance and getting you know excited like he won the lotto. No, he instead rejected that blessing and said, who are you to bless me? A dead dog like me. He called himself a dead dog because that's what he thought about himself. And that's the thing. When we've been wounded so bad, when we have those deep heart wounds, even when someone tries to bless us, we don't even know how to respond to that. Oftentimes, we'll push that blessing away. But David was able to see right through that. He had to remind Mo who he was because Mo was a part of a royal lineage. And that's the beautiful part of the story. His father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, Saul, they were royalty. And so even though Mephibosheth had lived his life in poverty and he was struggling, he still was a part of that line. And also one thing that Mo didn't understand either was that his father had such a relationship with the king. They were like brothers and there were promises made over Mephibosheth's life before he even was born. And the same thing applies to us. Just like Mo in that story, we are part of a royal lineage. We are children of a king. And there's promises that were made over our lives before we were even born about how God will cause cause us to prosper, not to harm us, giving us hope in a future. And so if we if we can remember that, that God's promises are still yes and amen, even when man might do certain things to harm us, God can still restore us. And so David, in that moment, offered him a, a seat always at the king's table, which is the beautiful thing about this story. But here's the catch. Mephibosheth, he could have easily said, you know what, I'm not going to take it because At the end of the day, God can open up doors, but it's our responsibility to walk through it. And sometimes we're so clouded by the pain and by the hurt that we're not even willing to step through the doors that God is opening for us. And if that's you right now, it sounds to me like you need to release some things. And and that's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness, a lot of times we think is for that other person, but it's so so often for us too. And it is for us. And it is something where you're releasing, not just them, you know, from you judging them, but you're also saying, I'm releasing this judgment I have and allowing God to be that person's judge. But I'm also releasing this bondage that it has over me. And so if you right now holding on to something that somebody's done years ago, I'm encouraging you right now to release that to forgive that person, to let it go so that you can be free to to benefit and experience all the blessings that God wants to put in your life right now. Because at the end of the day, even if that person dropped you, they don't have the final say on your story. And so I, I really want you to hold on to that. And we're going to continue to dive into this topic of forgiveness more. And I am so excited to bring my guest on the line. But before I do, let me let me not forget. There's a couple of resources for you that I want to make sure that you take advantage of. We have a new course on forgiveness and this is 20 percent off uh, for you. So take advantage of this. If this is something that you are struggling with, that's available for you at our Faith on the Journey ministry website so you can dive deeper into this subject. But enough of that for right now. I want to bring our guest on the line. And this someone, this person is someone who I admire so much. He is a global speaker. He has an international reach. And I tell you, he is someone who is able to bring a story to life. They call him a storyteller for a reason. And this is also someone who says, I help hurting people find healing, which to me is is exactly what this ministry is about. So when I was able to secure him as a guest on this show, I was so excited. So Ramal, we welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Hey, Jocelyn. Thanks for having me. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. And there's so much to your story, but I had to hold back because I wanted you, the storyteller, to tell the story for yourself and I would love for you to start off by just sharing a little bit about your childhood and what was life life like for you growing up
1: inner city kid from the bay area single parent home my mom uh spent a lot of time with my grandparents who i just love more than anything in the world uh my uncles i was raised i want to say by my family and by the streets um, i spent a lot of time in the neighborhood in a lot of neighborhoods uh, we moved a lot different school from kindergarten all the way till 11th grade um moved to new jersey when i was in 11th grade lived with my dad for two years he put me out uh i deserved it i was a pretty bad kid i uh, was homeless for a little while hung out in jersey city with some hustlers i knew joined the army took greyhound back to california served in the military uh, then went to howard university after the army and um after howard went to seminary at duke and life goes on from there so childhood was you know Uh, moved around a lot. And, you know, some of the challenges of the inner city, I won't say the typical challenges because every kid doesn't have the same uh, circumstances just because they live in a challenging environment. For me, it was, you know, I lived a life in the streets and uh, all that that entailed. So it was all about survival.
0: Wow. 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 Yeah. Well, it it seems like you overcame so much. And by the time you were in your young adult years, you had already gotten to a place where you were in leadership at your church. You had your, your master's in divinity, and it seemed like you really were able to turn some things around. But in your book, you you describe how there was a, a moment where you, you thought you were good. You thought you had left your past behind you. But then you realized that there was still some residue from your past that you you needed to deal with. And so I would love for you to share that with our audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the reality was I left the environment, but I'd never left the mindset. I never left the story behind. The story of who I believed I could become in the world was still attached to where i grew up and how i grew up so i had this mindset and belief that even though there were things i wanted a part of me never really believed i deserved them Um, and so i was changing my environment but i never really changed my mind or my attitude and so everything looked different and life appeared to be better but on the inside i was still uh you know a kid who was afraid a kid who you know, didn't believe he was enough, didn't believe he was capable. No matter what I achieved, there was just this tape playing in my head uh, that was connected to a story that was no longer mine. And I didn't know how to let it go. I didn't know how to detach who I had become and who I desired to become uh, from who I was as a kid and, and what I was taught to believe about myself. You know, the environment, Uh, can make you think that you're not going to amount to anything. People will tell you you're not going to amount to anything. Society will send you messages over and over again. And so, you know, I live that. And we see it today with a lot of the social unrest right now. uh, People who are trying to tell us as Black people who we can and can't become. And, you know, we fight against that because we have a bigger vision for ourselves. And so... I, as much as i had a bigger vision for myself i had to learn how to believe that i deserved it
0: that's a, when you talked about that tape running in our head our self talk and the old stories not even just self talk but replaying what people told us about ourselves it's hard to get out of our yeah. head and so for for you what was that process how did you get to, from a place where you no longer believe that about yourself
1: yeah you know it's um i think life is always moving forward it's a progression and so it wasn't always intentional. Uh, I guess, you know, as John Maxwell would say, I was stumbling in the right direction and just good people who, even when I pretty much wasn't a good person, saw good in me somehow and would say affirming things or would treat me with kindness and love uh, until I finally started believing it at some point. Um, you know, I ended up in therapy uh, You know, after certain situations that forced me into therapy and um, that know just doing the work um sometimes i was consistent with it sometimes i wasn't but um you could never unlearn um the healthy things that come into your life so it's kind of like i was informed and so once informed you're now choosing you know i had to choose now to um not live into uh the newness of me and the new ways of dealing with my past that i had learned and so it, it became a process of um, just disciplining myself and conditioning myself uh, to think differently um, and to 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 capture my thoughts uh, as they move into another a negative direction and then to reaffirm myself. So therapy and just, you know, really good, caring people who um, know how to see something in someone else that that person doesn't see in themselves yet. And then they're determined to speak life until you finally get it.
0: Mm Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up the therapy. That's a, a word that a lot of people like, oh, I, I don't I don't need to go to therapy. I'm good. I don't got any problems or it's a taboo subject for a lot of people. And then for men, there's also certain connotations about going to therapy. You know, there's a stigmas everywhere. So I, I would love for you to take a moment to, to speak to some of the stigmas that you had to get beyond when it came to going to therapy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there are stigmas for some, uh, you know, in today's society, a lot of people are overcoming that. Um, You know, I know guys who have had therapists for a long time and they're, they're thriving, healthy adults. In fact, most successful professionals I know have a therapist. It's not something people talk about, but when I bring it up, you know, they're more than happy to talk about it. But yeah, there are, you know, not just men, but Culturally, uh, we've had stigmas against it, and some of them are justified. I mean, this society hasn't been kind to us when it comes to any form of medicine or, you know, treatment for anything. So um, we are constantly wrestling with our history and mistreatment um, as as black people in this country and then trying to find a way to still be healthy and find healthy um, resources and people that we can trust with our physical health and especially our mental health. So, um, you know, some of the stigmas I think are tied to ego and pride. And I always just question those. Like, you know, when people say you don't need therapy, you can just, you know, carry it and just be tough. And you gotta ask like, well, what's the value in that? Is that really yielding the life that you want? And who says that as men, it's some kind of badge of honor to carry baggage? like? Like, why do we have to accept that as true? And why do we have to believe that pain is honorable? And why isn't healing honorable? And then to become a healer of others, that seems a lot more honorable to me than carrying pain and inevitably passing that pain on. So as my friend Matt Williams says, if you can pass down trauma, you can also pass down medicine. And so I'd rather be you know, a medicine doctor and, and do my healing and pass it down to others rather than keep passing down pain. So, um, you know, the issues around faith that come into it, you know, where people question your faith or question their own faith as maybe my faith isn't strong enough if I think I need a therapist. And again, there's, first of all, the Bible doesn't talk about therapy. I doubt that it was available. Maybe it was, we don't know. But um, how does it serve anyone well to think that God doesn't want them to use something that could make them a better person, so it just it's in alignment. And I found that um, the more I engage in the work of my own emotional healing, the more I'm able to actually believe uh, what the Bible says about me in terms of who I can become and in and the ability to receive love from God. First, believing that I am lovable and deserve love um, to. Think about, you know, people quote scriptures around your destiny and purpose and and God having meaning for you. Therapy allows a person to deal with the mental and emotional blocks that make it sometimes hard to believe that God is actually talking to you. And so doing the work allows you to be able to read God's word and have a relationship with God and, and confidently say, God, do it for me, too. I'm deserving, too.
0: That's good. That's good. And I, I love how you talk about doing the work because that's the thing we can have an encounter in, in church and it could be an amazing encounter. We can, we can believe we're healed. We can experience emotional healing, but a lot of times people just leave it there at the church, but there's additional work that needs to be done. Can you, can you speak to that?
1: Well, I think that there, the two go together, you know, there's, don't i don't understand the idea of leaving something at church you know that's a one day experience but uh, a relationship with god is a daily experience you know worship can be a daily encounter with god and healing is a daily encounter i mean that would be really tough to think that you got to wait six whole days before you can connect with God for any form of healing or conversation. Um, when we know that that can happen at any given moment, walking down the street, driving in your car, sitting in your house. And so we have to you know, really get past some of these disconnects that we create for ourselves uh, without ever questioning if they serve us well or not. Um, without just, you know, accepting things on face value as this is how it's supposed to be done rather than living the life you're actually supposed to have. And that's a life that's in fullness. That's a life of thriving. So, um, for me, it's bigger than, you know, um, going to church. It's really, it's about a relationship with God and a relationship with people. It has absolutely nothing to do with a location. It has everything to do with the person.
0: Amen to that. Amen. And so, one thing that I I heard you talk about in your book and actually let's let's talk about the title of your book first before yeah. I go into my next question your title of the book says so much it is love is an inside job getting vulnerable with God now that's deep because people don't like to be vulnerable so so tell me how did you come up with that title and what is this what is your book all about
1: yeah so the title you know my uh, editor now agent uh, Adrian Ingram and I, Um, As we were working on the book, one of the biggest things for me was and still and has been has been this issue of love Um, and realizing that a lot of my journey I talk about in the book was the pursuit of love, Um, thinking that I would be I would be lovable when I have this thing, these things or when I have this job or when I have this amount of success, people will value me and even love me. Um, And the reality was I I was trying to convince myself that I loved me and and I did I had to admit that I wasn't so sure that I loved myself and I had to really work to find my own reasons for why I loved me, Um, not for anything outside of me, but simply because I have value and I'm worthy and 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 I deserve love, not because of what I have, where I work, who I know, what I accomplish. Um, love is not defined by any of those things. I think that in many ways the more I, I guess, come to love myself more, the more I'm able to give that love back in expressions of what I do. Um, so what I do um, in the world is expression is an expression of the love that I have for myself and my love for the world and, and other people. So. Um, yeah, it is certainly love is an inside job. It's not out there somewhere. It, it starts with you. And it, it's it's the inside work and really beginning to confront the parts of you that you don't love, that you're ashamed of, that you don't want people to see and learn that every part of who you have been, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly is worthy of love. And because God loves all of a person, not parts of a person. God can love you even and loves people even in the midst of their stuff, because God's love is, not, is based on the fact that, you know, we are his creation, that you are his creation. And God, when God looks at you, God sees himself. So he's going to love you um, and learning to realize that even in your challenges, um, you're still worthy of love. You got to learn how to love yourself.
0: Amen. That's good. I know that word was for somebody. It was for me too. Uh, that's something that people don't realize. You can't pour. You can't pour from an empty cup. And a lot of people they're trying to love others, and they have really got so much hurt inside. They don't love themselves. So I appreciate that, Ramal, and for this show today we're we're really trying to dive into old heart wounds and so i want to spend a little time talking about that yeah. old heart wounds that that might have been caused by someone who was supposed to love us someone who might have dropped us and we we feel like we can't forgive them our life would be so much better if if they didn't do whatever they did to us and so for that person right now who's struggling with unforgiveness right now what would you what would you tell
1: them well, I think in those situations, the first thing that I thought of is that you're defining your life by someone else's behavior. And so, again, how does that serve you? Well, it wasn't your behavior. It was their behavior. So why define your life by what someone else did? That's their stuff, not yours. Even if they did it to you, it doesn't define who you are. It just gives you a clear lens into who they have been or who they were. They may not even be that person anymore. But I think, uh, you know, a big part of it, that I have explored with my own journey around anger and resentment. And, and I would even say hatred of people who um, I, I believed were supposed to, their role was to love me, but they, they were not able to the way I needed it. And I think that in some cases, especially with family members, they were doing the best they can with what they knew. That didn't make it right. But again, I also, I understand it more on this side of wisdom and life. And also because I've made my own mistakes with people, my own children expecting love a certain way, and I'm not giving it the way they need it. And it was also based on my um, my past and dealing with my stuff and what love looked like for me that I was duplicating that wasn't good for them. So um, I think that the process of healing, uh, in my experience, has been detaching, detaching who I am from what someone else did and recognizing that i have at times defined myself by someone else's actions by someone else not saying what they need what i needed to hear or not doing something that i needed them to do that made me say well they didn't say it or they didn't do it because i'm not worthy or i'm not lovable or i'm not enough no it doesn't it's you're still worthy you're still enough and you're still lovable that person just was not able to express it the way you need it. That doesn't negate the fact that you are still deserving.
0: Amen, that's good. Just remember not to give those people who hurt you the power over your story, to write your story, yeah, it sounds yeah. like. As a,
1: one uh, author I like uh, Claudia Black says, um, sometimes we can become characters trapped in our parents' play while they're still orchestrating our lives and we're just this character living out their script. And so her work is you have to take control of your script and write your own story rather than live like a character trapped in someone else's play.
0: That's good. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to use that. I love that. But, yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And when I'm looking at this process that you're talking about, that's one thing that you mentioned in your book. There was a part that if you can speak to it because I I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to give you the wrong quote. But when we talk about the breaking process and the painful process of healing.
1: Yeah. Even when I thought about that story, my ankle hurt. So um, I when I was a young kid, I played football. I played a lot of sports. Track was my thing. But I was playing football. And um, I broke my ankle and literally my leg was straight and my foot was turned to the right. And so uh, when the doctors had to perform the procedure, um, they had to, in essence, break my ankle again um, to put it back in alignment. And they said that if they did not break it again um, to realign it, it would never grow back healthy. It would grow. But I would always have I would have had a limp. And so they said that, you know, the process of healing um, in essence, I use it as a metaphor is the process of healing is sometimes there's this breaking process again to get into alignment. Um, And so it's, it's really not a breaking, it's a restoring process that will, will hurt a little bit. In fact, sometimes it'll hurt a lot, but the process isn't the destination it's the process that gets you to the destination of healing. And so it, the intent of therapy is to get you back in alignment and to have hard, uh, uncomfortable, challenging conversations that are designed to move you into alignment so that you can heal and thrive.
0: That's great, I love that. And so let's let's talk a little bit more about the important role that community plays because yes, you have a therapist, but beyond that, did you have community that that helped you through the process of healing?
1: Yeah, you know, community. Yes. And Um, so I uh, one of the things I talk about in the book. And the reason I have to phrase it this way is um, community for me up until maybe about 10 years ago has been a very fluid thing. Vari has been very much a nomad um, because of the way I grew up uh, moving from place to place. And always living under the assumption that one day I'm going to be gone anyway. So don't get too close to these people. Um, but even in each one of those contexts, there were people who cared for me, um, who were supportive of me. But as I got older, um, you know, you you see in the book, my fave five, you know, uh, Joe Daniels, Rudy Rasmus, Paul Hosh, uh, Rob Lee and Vance Ross. Those are my guys like we talk almost, we text just about daily and we talk, you know, regularly, at least, you know, a few of them I'll talk to sometime during the week, but we, um, they're supportive of me and I'm supportive of them. We are, um, we hold each other with open hands, you know, and it's just brothers um, who are unapologetic about uh, connection and being able to say, man, I love you because you're my brother. And uh, that that just gives me life. And I think we all benefit from it. You know, it's not this toxic masculinity thing of ego and, you know, just trying to just, just stuff that doesn't serve anyone well. And it's just a persona. We're not really into that. We want, you know, it's about getting to know the whole person. And so the people in my life that have been a part of my journey of healing and becoming a better me, are people who are just downright authentic and we don't really do pretense. Um, It's kind of like, you know, there's no value in that. And life is too short and too fragile. So um, let's just, you know, be who we're truly meant to be in the world. And whoever can love you for who you are, that's your tribe. And whoever can't, that's not. You know, there's no gray area. You know, find your tribe. But you'll never find your tribe if you're out there pretending
0: ooh, if if you out there pretending, wearing a mask, people aren't going to know who you are. They're not going to be able to have an intimate relationship with you. And that goes back to your book title about being vulnerable. It's not just being vulnerable with God, but there has to be people in your circle who you can be vulnerable with when you're struggling. Because as you mentioned, like even holding you accountable and calling you to be the best person you can be. So I love that.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that scared me was that While I was pretending and successful and buying fancy things and, you know, living like a rock star, it, it occurred to me that I could actually, if I keep this up, I will have lived my entire life and no one would have ever really known me. And in essence, I would, no matter who was around, I would still die alone because no one really would have known me. Because I was always hiding and always pretending and always in my persona and where I've been. And I was at this meeting and I met this person. It was like, that's not a person. That's activity. Um, So I didn't want to live an entire life and never be really known by anyone. I wanted to be fully known for the person I am and to know that the people in my life value that person.
0: Wow. Yes. Y'all. I, heard, I hope y'all heard him. If y'all walking around wearing that mask, it gets old because no one is able to love you deeply. And so I'm glad you were able to, to break through that and move forward and and really experience valuable relationships, deep relationships with your your what do you call it? Fab five Bay five.
1: Yeah. I <laughs>
0: yeah. love that. Love that. So let's talk about what you're doing now. You got so much going on in ministry. What are some of the great things you're up to?
1: yeah so um man i got a lot going on right now so i'm working on another book uh just got an email before we started from the guy who's editing some chapters i gotta check them out Uh, my son and i are actually co-authoring this book i can't give away too much on it right now but he and i are really excited about the fact that we are co-authoring my next book uh hopefully it'll be out uh maybe this time next year god willing so if anybody's watching pray uh, that we get a new book deal and uh, we get this book done before the end of the year. Um, I'm doing workshops, uh, clear story workshops, hosting uh, mental health sessions with therapists. I mentioned my my therapist, Warren Mitchell. Uh, I've also been doing some stuff with Dr. Nicole K. Mack of BlackMentalHealth.com. Uh, uh, is it BlackMentalWellness.com? Excuse me. And um, a few other organizations doing a lot of giving. I've been doing art projects uh, for my nonprofit, Clear Story, where we sell art. You may have seen some on my Facebook page and use those funds to help supplement the cost of therapy sessions for people who otherwise can't afford it, Uh, as well as doing some giving to support uh, organizations that are working on food insecurity issues in our communities to help families in need during these times. Um, So those are just a few of the things. I've been doing some classes around wealth management and, and growing, you know, building financial portfolios and understanding the stock market and stuff like that through clear economics program that I run through clear story. Um, so yeah. Um, and you know, sitting around the house with my wife, looking at the hummingbirds, I believe she's watching right now. Hey, sweetheart. Um, you know, water in the yard and taking pictures of butterflies and she's got the dog jumping through hoops and, you know, it's just COVID, has created opportunities to slow down um, and appreciate the beauty of life that's right in front of me. I think, you know, things like I said, you know, we got a hummingbird feeder and looking at butterflies and, and the robins and cardinals in the yard, and, not robins, I think we got cardinals and blue jays, but, um, and we even got some turtles that are about to be born that a turtle lay some eggs in our yard. So I'm kind of excited, but things I never would have slowed down for. Um, I would have done probably four international trips between uh, now and when COVID first popped off and, you know, out on speaking engagements and book signings. But I've been able to be still enough to appreciate the beauty of life right in front of me. So I'm grateful for that, too. So when I'm not busy, I'm paying attention to life
0: oh you minister into my soul right now that's good and and that it seems like that we just have to find that balance because there are seasons where you're out here and you're exploring you're traveling and you're doing what God calls you to do but in those moments we still need to be able to be present and that's, it sounds like that's something that God has definitely shown you how to be in these moments
1: well you know busy has kind of been taken off the table a little bit um, all right for my normal busy and i think this season with all of his challenges that we are in gives a lot of people the opportunity to finally see themselves, uh, to be still enough to listen to your heart speak and um, take time to care for yourself, uh, to care for your environment around you um, and really learn to appreciate the stillness. And and not only that, the value that it has to who you are, but the value that your stillness now offers to other people. I mean, we're in a place now where Being still can save someone else's life. So there's value in it personally, um, but there's value in it to other people when you just sit down.
0: That's good. That's so true. Well, as we get ready to close, Ramal, is there any closing remarks for anybody right now who they, they, they heard this message and they're struggling? They're just trying to figure out what's my first step when it comes to to healing and working through these old heart wounds that I have?
1: I think the first step the, the biggest step is setting your intentions on healing to truly lean into the desire for it and want it. And, um, you know, as I say in the book, I wanted love more than I, than the air that I breathe. I want it to be fully known and fully loved just as a person, not chasing something. And I found that in being still and learning to love myself first. Um, and I think that that, setting the intention on healing and then from there you'll start looking for the resources but your intentions have to be there and then life will align with your intentions and so you got to pursue videos and books and um, some people don't start with therapy. they'll start with you know reading a book by a good therapist or you know maybe they'll start with reading love as an inside job. I highly recommend it. Um, Amazon is short on it right now, but they are restocking it, but other places have it or they might watch videos online and some might be willing to take their first step and see a therapist. For me, it didn't start with you know first wanting to see a therapist. I read some things, I watched some videos, I talked to some people. And I made baby steps in that direction, but the intention was set and a desire was clear that I wanted to be a better me. And I think for anyone who watches this, set your intentions on being a better you and set your intentions on your wholeness, Not, not on what's broken, but set your intention on the desire to become more whole. And then you'll look for resources that will align with your desire to become more whole. If you focus on your brokenness you're just going to keep attracting more brokenness more broken thoughts more broken people but align your thoughts with the positive positive outcome and that's a desire for better wholeness and to be a better you and everything you need to start coming your way
0: amen that's good that's a great final word ramal so let's let's find out where can people get in touch with you if they want more information they want to get a copy of your book what what's the details
1: yeah so uh my social media i see it in the ticker at the bottom of the screen all of my social media from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook is my name at Ramal Tune, R O M um, A L T U N E. My Facebook uh, author page is actually Tune Unscripted. And my YouTube channel is my name, uh, Ramal Tune at YouTube, you know, dot YouTube dot com. So uh, everything, if you search my name on any of those platforms, uh, that's where you can find me.
0: Good stuff. Well, I highly recommend his book. I actually quoted it in my book. So you know that that your book was good. (laughs) So I appreciate you so much for being on the show. I hope that everyone was blessed by this. I know I was, I always learn something from those who I interview and who have an anointing on their life and you definitely have an anointing. So I thank you for being my brother in ministry. Doing this work,
1: I appreciate that.
0: Thank you for being on the show, and thank you everybody for tuning in as we continue to dive into this conversation, this important conversation around healing and forgiveness. And as always, we have resources available for you on our ministry website at faithonthejourney.org. Please take advantage of the sale that we have on our forgiveness course, which is twenty percent off. And if you have not already, please grab my book, Breaking the Power of the Mask. Ramal was talking about earlier us that persona we all. A mask where we're walking around wearing it, pretending like we're okay when we got some hurt deep down inside. And one of the issues that I address in that book is forgiveness. So I encourage you to pick up a copy, you know, snag it up. This is really going to cause you to go deep into issues of pain that you might have hidden behind the mask. But remember, if you haven't taken anything from this episode, God is a healer and he wants to heal you and that's available to you, but we have to do the work. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel of faith on the journey. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, faith on the journey is all the same social media, my faith on the journey for Instagram, Facebook, faith on the journey. You, you get the, the point. So look us up faith on the journey. We're here for you to help you heal. And we just want to encourage you along your journey for your days ahead. So Thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Be blessed, everyone.